Have you ever felt like you're overreacting? I'm Leah. And I'm Siobhan. We're two friends navigating our health in our 30s and the changes that have definitely had us feeling like we're overreacting at times. Together, we want to create a safe space where you can listen, connect and explore various women's health topics that can sometimes be misinformed, undereducated or even considered taboo. Now, we're not healthcare professionals, but we'll be sharing our own experiences, the experiences of others and speaking to the experts to help you navigate and validate any health concerns you may have, but most importantly, to remind you that you're not alone. Join us for the ride every month as we work on the courage to say, don't tell me I'm overreacting. Hello and welcome back to episode two. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our first episode last week, even if it did go off on a little bit of a tangent. Uh, But hopefully it did give you a brief overview as to what we're going to be talking about, the different topics, and it's uh, made you want to come back for more this week. Definitely, definitely. We wanted to make sure that in this episode and next, we're sharing with you why we're doing this podcast and delve into our personal experiences So this episode, we are going to be talking to Siobhan all about her current situation. It's a little me. (laughs) (laughs) Little chocolate finger. (laughs) So today we're speaking to Siobhan because earlier in the year, Siobhan was diagnosed with premature perimenopause. And we're going to be talking a lot more about that. As we've mentioned already, please feel free to get in touch if you've got any questions, anything like that. But for now, we're going to be hearing about Siobhan's experience with this. Are you ready? Uh, I'm ready. Let's do it. Right, okay. So, Siobhan, what does premature menopause mean to you? Um, Okay, so initially, if you did said any of that to me, maybe like this time last year, I wouldn't have a, had a clue what premature menopause was. Mm. Um, I always just thought menopause was something that it happened to your mom or it happened to you when you were in your 50s and never really fully understood what it was or, you know, what you would have to go through. It's only really recently, as obviously as I've had to go through it myself, that I've had to educate myself on what that means. And what it means is it's just the natural end of your well, of your, of your fertility hormones and your, your cycles, as it were. Um, and in just a similar way that, you know, when you go through puberty, your body's going to go through a lot of hormonal changes as mm. well as physical changes. It's going to do the same with menopause. Um, however, I think puberty is probably considered a little bit more like, you know, it's just, it's the start of your womanhood. Whereas I think menopause, it's more sort of deemed as you've had that that womanhood taken away from you. yeah. That's like when you think about it. It's, how is how is that okay? Uh, it's not fair, is it? Like no. you get, you know, as women as well. Like we literally get all the shit, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> and then just when you think you can't, it can't get any worse. It's like, well, and now we're going to take away, you know, all your hormones that make you feel great about yourself. That gives you like amazing skin, hair, and nails. That's going to get taken away from you. But yeah, I did always just think it was something that happens later on in life and that mm. you've got loads of time before you've got to worry about that. Um, but then I'm also glad I, I do know about it now because now we're in this fortunate position where we can educate other people about it. Yeah, definitely. 
And when and how did you start noticing something wasn't right for you? When I actually think back, so I came off the contraceptive pill in 2016, so I would have been about 27. Mm. And I, if I think back, I've had a regular periods pretty much since then, but... Irreg- irregular. Irregular, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, irregular periods. Um, but that, you know, when you read about it, that can be attributed to coming off the pill anyway. Mm. Uh, it's not like it's something that's necessarily exclusively to, to going through the menopause, particularly when you're 27 as well. Mm. You're not going to be thinking that, are you? So I just sort of put it down to the, the pill. But, yeah, when I do actually think, it was probably as early as then. But then I would say more sort of like physical symptoms in terms of the hot flushes, uh, like bad anxiety, insomnia, um, like just like name a few. I'd, I'd probably say as early as 2018, so a couple of years after I first noticed my periods. Mm. Uh, so I would have been about 29. And like it would always, co- these hot flushes would, would always coincide with when I was missing a period. Yeah. And it was, they probably only happened like two or three times a year. So not, not enough. And, for me to really think, oh, what's going on here? Um, and also with the hot flushes, they, they always tend to be a bit worse when it was like summertime. So obviously, you know, you read up on it and you think, oh, it's obviously just my body can't regulate its temp- temperature because yeah. it's it's just too hot. Or, you know, um, I, with, with my job, I think another avenue I even ended up going down was there's a condition called hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is really, really common in women that train, particularly women that train a lot and don't necessarily eat enough mm. for the amount that they do. So I, I even went down that avenue of thinking like, oh, it must be this. Like, mm. you know, I'm, I'm obviously overtraining and I'm missing periods because of it. And then it was only really when I started questioning the fact that, because me and like my partner, shout out to JK. JK um, in the world. <laughs> We've never like actively said, oh, we, we want to try for kids, but we've ever never actively not tried for kids either, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And it just sort of kind of got to a point where I was like, well, I don't really understand how we've not been caught out pregnant. Like, yeah. something's a bit wrong here. That's just, yeah, I can totally relate to that, yeah. So then that's when I was like, well, do you know what? Like, there's obviously something going on my body, with my body. I need mm. to go and find out once and for all what is going on because the symptoms are getting worse. And, you know, and I did, I wanted to think one day when I do want kids, I want to make sure that everything is, is as it should be. Yeah. But unbeknown to me, I didn't know that I was already actually going through the perimenopause at this Mm. point. And that is exactly what was causing my symptoms. So yeah, if I'd say first, first kind of sign was 2016, but then it's probably only really been like the last, within the last three years that my symptoms have intensified and it's made me kind of go, right, Something's not not yeah. right here. I think like the reaction you've had though, in terms of the steps that you've taken, I think that is a reaction that a lot of people would take. And I think this is this like you've already said, this is one of the reasons why I want to do this podcast because yeah. you don't think, oh, it's going to be this. You think it's going to be all these other things first. Mm. Like you don't even start to think that that could be potentially an option. So I, I think you you. I couldn't have imagined myself doing anything differently. Absolutely. And, you know, good old Dr. Google, like, there's, a, there's a, a myriad of things that you can attribute missed periods and You're dying before you, you're dying before you, get, <laughs> yeah. before you get the menopause. I don't know, I did feel like I was dying in parts, but... Well, yeah, you, there's, you don't, you just don't... My mind would have never jumped to that. And 
really even my, my GP's mind didn't even jump to that either. Wow. It was kind of process of elimination as yeah, to what yeah. was going on because it was just like you you're far too young to be going through the menopause. Yeah. So yeah, it was that was like at the the back of my mind really. So you mentioned about your GP there. What was the process like trying to get answers and I mean, I'll be totally honest, my GP they they were like they were actually really really good because oh, I've good. speaking to I've spoken to a lot of women uh, that have gone through something similar and it seems to be like really really problematic just even getting seen to to be mm. heard about the menopause or to get prescribed like the right meds my gp she was she was pretty proactive but and she she even held her hands up and said look listen I'm, it's not a field of expertise for me yeah um and off the back of that she did then send me like relevant links and places to go to 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 find the the information that i was after so whilst a lot of it was uh you know self-educated she was very much on on my side with it as well. Mm. I didn't really feel like she was trying to persuade me down the route, but it was still yeah. it was still a long process because initially when I went in, it was like, right, well, you think you we think it might be this, it might be the case that you're overtraining or whatever. Why don't we just chill out on the training and make sure that we're eating enough food and yeah. all that kind of thing, which I did. And don't didn't tell really me twice. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll have more cake. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I did that. Um, didn't really notice any difference, and we obviously did a couple of blood tests. She wanted to check my thyroid and rule out yeah. all that that kind of thing because she did say as well that sometimes it it could just be like a brain transmitter problem. It might not necessarily be that your ovaries are packing in. It might just be there's a bit of loss loss of translation between your brain and your ovaries. Okay. Um, so she wanted to check that my thyroid and everything else was functioning properly, and that all came back completely normal. But um, my FSH hormone, which is your follicle stimulating hormone, which is the hormone that your um, well, your your ovaries obviously produce to create eggs, uh, was very very low. But she did say, depending on where you are at in your in your cycle, it can be low because if you're coming up to the end of a period and you're ready for mm. you know a new egg to be released, then that that hormone can be perceived to be low anyway. So she said, what we'll do is we'll get you back in another four to six weeks and we'll do another blood test yeah. and we'll test the same hormone again and then well, what was quite interesting was because another thing that I've, i found out with perimenopause is it's not just a case of right your periods have stopped that's it now it's it's up and down you, mm. you can have a period um sometimes you'll go months without a period because it's not just as clear cut as right yeah. that's that's it now it's the end of the road your body's still up and down with its hormones so then in between that period when I was waiting to go through the next blood test, I actually did go through a normal cycle and I had a period. So then that blood test came back that everything was fine. <sighs> yeah, so she was like, right, okay. Um, I think because of what, you know, what you've been telling me, because you that, that was another thing as well. My, um, I mean, probably going off down on a bit of a tangent here because my yeah. mum had had problems with her, um, not her fertility, but her like her cycles when she was about my age. Mm. She ended up having to have an early hysterectomy. So, but, so my, my GP knew that. She said, given everything that we know about your mum's history, I am going to bring you back for another blood test. Oh, God. So I came back in, another blood test. It's about a month later. And again, my FSH was like, it was. she said, it, she actually said it was through the floor. She said like it was really wow. unusually low. So that's when she said to me about, you know, you really want to be thinking about your fertility options. If that's the case, um, I'll re I'll refer you to um, to a fertility specialist. But 
the NHS referral lists at the minute are are really really Lengthy. long, as we yeah. yeah as as we all know. So she said it might be an idea for you to actually have a look going down the private route. So this, but to be fair, at this point, it wasn't really like I wasn't like considering the fact that I was perimenopause. I was like just thinking, oh shit, like right, okay, I need to be thinking about whether I want kids or yeah. not. And that is just literally, I think when it, that's such a difficult question that enters your mind because we've been quite similar, yeah, to, like where we've not been. We're not the type of people where we are, oh my gosh, like I yeah. want to be a mom. Like that, like we never said no to it, but yeah. it's never been the top of our list no. like, at all. Like we're more entertained by cats and dogs than yeah. we are kids. But I think when someone Probably starts we are to, kids ourselves, but... yeah, probably. But when someone puts that question in your mind, then you've got to start thinking about all these things like, well, do I want kids? Like, should we look into this and yeah. everything? And that is. As if you like that, having mm. so start processing that information. Yeah, it was it was a bit like, well, only way we could really describe it is like, right, oh, holy fuck, right, okay, yeah. this is, uh, you know, and I very much got the sense of urgency from my GP as well that it was something you know you've not really got time with. Yeah, um, which is why I think she actually said, listen, like, if I was you, I'd go and pay private, uh, just just because of these referral lists. So, yeah, at this point, I'm just thinking, right, okay, well, I need to find out what's going on with my fertility. I'm not even really mm. thinking about menopause at this point. I'm just thinking, I know that my FSH hormone's low and I've not got a lot of time. So I ended up paying for a private appointment to go and see a fertility specialist and they ran a few more blood tests as well and they tested uh, something called your AMH, which is... Anti-malarian your, hormone. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And that gives a bit more of a direct indication of like, basically where your ovaries are at and mm. what your egg reserve is like. Um, and that that came back like... And they were they were really good, actually, because I did kind of think they probably could have just taken my money, this fertility clinic, and said, oh, well, we'll still put you through the beginnings of IVF, essentially, to harvest some eggs and get them frozen for you. Mm. But the guy just sort of said, like, you know, I'll be totally honest with you, with your reserve being that low... I'd, 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 I'd say it's safe to say you, you know, menopause is imminent for you, mm. um, and it'd be a bit of a futile operation for you to go through with that. And I was like, right, so that means I can't fr- like, fr- fr- like freeze any eggs or anything. Mm. And he was like, he said you could, but you'd be getting like a really, really low mm. amount out of the procedure, and it's a lot of money to be throwing for, and I would hate for it to be essentially a futile operation for yeah. you. So I was like, right, okay. Um, so now what do I do with this bit of information? You're telling me that I'm basically going through the menopause. Mm. Um, so he drafted me like a, a letter to take back to my GP and just said that my blood, blood tests were indicative. Is the right word? There we go. Yeah. Of the fact that I was going through the menopause and that he recommended I started HRT as, as early as possible. Obviously, all these words are getting thrown around at me. Oh, HRT, hormone yeah, replacement therapy. Yeah. And I'm like... Right, okay, so I've now got my head around the fact that I probably can't have kids is certainly not certainly not my my own anyway, by my own eggs. Um but now I've got to go in down the avenue of what the hell is hormone replacement therapy. Mm. Uh so I went back to my GP and she then was like, Right, these are the different types. But you know what it's like when when someone's like telling you things and you, you're kinda of taking it in and you're yeah. not, because I just felt like this is just I've you know, I've only really just got my head around the fact that you're telling me that I can't have kids mm. ever and now you're telling me that I've got to now replace something that I'm never 
yeah. I'm never going to have again because my body's just not making it. It's information overload. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to the, I think that was a bit of a long-winded way, but yeah, the, so the process start to finish. I mean, I was pretty quick at getting answers compared to most, but it was still like, I'd say it was last September that I initially went for tests and then I've only really been diagnosed early this year mm, with mm. what it is. And then even like now I'm still, I'm still learning about what it means for me, my well, body. Exactly, I think that's such like an that's such an important thing to touch on because everyone's body is a totally different, especially when you start thinking about hormones. And I think that's such a important thing to touch on, especially about the tests that you were talking about because I didn't really realise that. I, I I know that obviously your body changes during your periods, but you don't put that and then your test results mm. link in as well. No, and yeah, I think. And another thing, obviously we mentioned before about the fact that neither of us have been baby mad, but that doesn't take away the detrimental impact that has on you to then be told, oh, well, that th- you can't you can't do that. Like, you, yeah. like kids, like you naturally, like biological children yeah. aren't an option. Like, And, I, and you know, and I, I am I'm very fortunate that I've got, you know, a partner that loves me and he's he's got a son and he's, mm. he's very much my stepson and... Maybe that's part of the reason why I've never really been had this massive maternal need. And mm. I am also fortunate that I'm not in a position where I'm, like, desperately wanting kids because yeah. I just think, could you imagine if I'd had left this, like, another three years or whatever? And mm. I had got myself to a position where I was like, do you know what? I really, really want kids now. Yeah. And then I'd only find this out yeah. through the back of that. I think that would have definitely been a lot more devastating. So even though it's not a, a nice thing, like, there's, there's definitely positives from the situation. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, I think the whole point about about this is that we're bringing to light that you can be any age and go through this and it's just really being aware of what what's normal for you, what's normal for your body. Yeah. And just being really, really... Because even if you don't uh, think you want kids, one thing that really stuck with me was what the fertility specialist said. He said, my advice to any any girls, even if they don't think they want kids, is just when you're in, like, that most fertile point of your life, which is usually, like, early 20s. Because mm. we've got, we've all got biological clocks, yeah. but due to, like, careers and society changing, women are having babies later and later, mm. which is absolutely fine. But you also need to remember that we are still battling against Mother mother Nature, really, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, like, we yeah. are still tied by our own body clock. And just one thing that he said to me was, if I could tell all women, even if you think that you don't want kids, just go and freeze some eggs in mm. your 20s. Mm. When you're most fertile, go and pay to have some eggs frozen. And I just think, you know, that's that would have been a really valuable piece of information for me. Yeah. I could have acted on. And I think as well, like, that information paired with the fact that you, that that's really interesting because when you think about how... The messages we receive at that age are very much take the pill, take the pill, because you're going to get yeah. pregnant because you're super, super fertile. Like, don't yeah. you, don't look at semen; you'll get pregnant by looking at <laughs> yeah. it. Like, do you know what I mean? And I mean, I, it's not the case at all. And it's you, just wild that you are taught about you talk about periods, you talk about contraception, you even taught how to put on a condom on a banana, <laughs> but you are not told about something. You use which, a banana. I, that's what John's thinking. Well, that's why there's loads of banana skins in our room. Um, <laughs> no, but you are like, we're taught all these things, which, yeah, don't get me wrong, that they are definitely practical. Like, we need to know these things. But I just, 
find it wild that we're not taught the one thing that is also going to happen to mm. every single woman in the life but yet we're taught absolutely nothing about it yeah agreed agreed and like thinking about your like steps to get a diagnosis what were the challenges that you kind of felt that you faced i think it was more the kind of like just the misinformation and the lack of information mm. out there and even though my GP, even though she was great, you know, she even said that she's not an expert in the field. Mm. Uh, she did actually end up referring me to an expert who I eventually got to see. But the, the NHS waiting list, as we touched on, they are just so long at the minute. And it very much feels like, and I know that you'll relate to this, it very much feels like you've got you've got to pay mm. to get the answers that you want in, 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 the, in the time that you want as mm. well. Because for me, it was like, even though all right, yeah, I, I can't have kids. And some people might be thinking, well, if you didn't want kids and you're not having periods, well, why why did you want to get yourself sorted? And it's because it was all the other symptoms I was getting mm. along alongside not having my periods that were, you know, really bad, like the anxiety and like the hot flushes were just bloody awful as well. Yeah. Um, but then when you actually go and, and research all the other health implications that are related to going through peri perimenopause, um, you know, it has massive health implications to your cardiovascular health. Um, you're at a higher risk of osteoporosis. And actually, the younger, the younger you go through menopause, the higher these risks are for really? you. Really? Yeah. No so it's really important that you do get on the right HRT and you do start taking the right doses. But I just found that the, the, the main challenge was just actually finding that information out for myself yeah. and... I just felt like it was just there was just so much to take in, and I didn't really know. Well, but what what hormone replacement therapy? Which one's mm. the best? Or you read this one; it's got a link to this cancer. Is that going to be okay? Like there mm. was just like so many questions, and really, I just want what I needed was somebody to sit down with a pamphlet and be like, "I know it's really old school," or somebody in exactly the same way as what they did when we were in high school, come in and do a day talking with a bloody. Um, PowerPoint presentation and say, this is what it is. Mm. This is what you need to look out for. These are the different types of medication. And then you'd, you'd, you'd know, mm. like, and then you'd have this little pamphlet to refer back to. But there is, well, there is, there is some of that, but it's only through what I've had to find for myself. Yeah. And even that in itself can be it's difficult because yeah. once it's, it's an absolute, it's a minefield because once you start reading all this stuff, I could, I, how I felt was that you were reading about everything and it was almost as if every single thing that you did was going to make the situation worse. Yeah. So you felt like, well, what do I do? You know, yeah. you can't do this. You can't like just just sit and be quiet type thing. And it's just, it's so difficult. And then you've got to really remember that everyone's so completely different and like the everything that you do and everything that your body's made up of is totally unique to you and it's not a one size that one size yeah. fits all at all and i think and i think that's the key thing um and obviously you know I've, i'm really really fortunate that with with my job um because i've kept myself active and because uh, you know i do eat pretty pretty well mm. you know a lot of the kind of um like support around menopause is is around diet and nutrition, and, and so I'm quite fortunate. That I've always kept myself in a good, like physical state as well, physical yeah. and mental state, just through that on its own. But yeah, yeah, it's it was just it was really really difficult trying to find well what what's gonna what is what is gonna be the right medication for me to go on and how's that gonna affect my work? How's that mm. gonna affect me? Mm. Like, am I doing it right? Yeah. 
there's just not enough out there. There's just not enough information, I don't think. No, agreed. So you had your diagnosis which month of this year? Uh, January. Okay. Yeah. And so how has your day-to-day changed since then? To be honest, it's ever since like, ever since I've been diagnosed and getting over the initial shock of it and getting over the initial challenges, since I've got my medication, like the symptoms have improved. Good. But the the main day-to-day is, I think even even if you like, you kid yourself that you're, that you're absolutely fine with, with what's happening to you, there is... I noticed I, got, I was like, there was an element of me feeling angry. Mm. Um, yeah, feeling angry. Not not like necessarily at anyone in particular, but sometimes like, angry at myself. Like, why didn't I act on it sooner? Like, mm. why why did I let myself get to a point where I was like thinking, oh, you know, why, why have I not been taught about this? Um, so I had a lot of anger initially. And then I guess like the main an- annoyance on the day-to-day is I've got to remember to take my meds because... The only way I can kind of liken it is, uh, me well, like, if, like diabetics, for instance, they have to take um, insulin every day, don't they? Because mm. their pancreas isn't releasing insulin as it should to counteract the foods that they eat. So my ovaries aren't releasing the hormones that they should be releasing. And it's yeah. these hormones that I need that are going to protect my heart health, going to protect my bone health. And because I'm just... Well, those those reserves are near enough diminished. I've got to remember to take these hormones every day, and the amount the amount that I take is going to change as well. So right, it's not okay. it's not just a case of right here are your meds and here's your dose off you pop for the rest of your life. It's I've still got to be like I've still got to monitor. It. I've still got to monitor my symptoms mm. because if any of my symptoms do come back, it probably means that I need to up my dose of of well of my estrogen and um, my progesterone. Well, more so the estrogen rather than the progesterone. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'd say the only thing like day to day that has changed for me is remembering to take these meds, and it's just yeah, it's getting getting used to it. But we'll get there in the end. What did you find worked for you? So I we decided to go on put put me on the gel, which is like um, so it's a clear gel, and it comes in like the only way I can describe it is <laughs> you know you two you know like when you get those toothpaste. That's not what uh, I thought pumps. you were going to say. No. Yeah, but and yeah, like you like you squirt out like one little pump of toothpaste, but yeah. it's like it's like that, and it like it gives you like a measured dose of of estrogen per pump. And don't ask me why, but it's got to be put on the inside of your thighs or the backs of your arms. Like you'd think you can just put it anywhere, mm. but no. There's, I think because that's like where your skin. It's a larger surface area, and it's where it's thinnest apparently. So it's where oh, it can wow. be like easily absorbed no so i'm on the gel just because she's uh, my gp said it's going to be easier for you to dose up or dose down okay um whereas if i was to take like an, an oral pill she said if you ended up needing more like it would mean you'd, you'd have to keep coming in mm. to get like a higher higher dose prescription and and obviously like with with pills you can't exactly just break them in half no and no have half the dose that way so whereas at least with the gel you're you've got a little bit more autonomy with Dosing it, dosing it up or down, it all it would take would just be a quick email over to me to just say, listen, I'm experiencing this, might need to get you in for a blood pressure check. Yeah. But then at least we can say to you, right, you need a little bit more, take an, an extra an extra pump of it, as it were. And then I've got to remember to take uh, your the proge- well the progesterone tablet that you've got to take, which is every 14 days out of the month. So this is another thing. I was like, right, I've got my gel, off I go, just put that on every day, nice and easy. And then they were like, oh, no, no, you've got to take uh, a progesterone pill every 14 days out of the month as well. 
And I was like, why? And the reason being is because I still have my uterus because a lot of women who probably go through menopause um, have had a, either had a hysterectomy or like they've had the, had to have the womb removed mm. for whatever reason. But because I have still got my uterus, if you're taking estrogen all the time, your uterus lining is still going to thicken up because it's thinking that it's getting ready for an egg, a fertilised okay, egg, yeah, in the same yeah. way that it would do, you know, in your normal cycle. Yeah. But because I'm using estrogen, but my ovaries also aren't uh, releasing... Well, they're not releasing estrogen, but they're also not releasing progesterone, which causes the womb lining to shed. So I've got to remember to take this progesterone tablet, otherwise then you can end up with, like, um, well, like, basically womb cancer if you have a big... Oh, Jesus. I know. So that's, that's, go back to it being a minefield. It is, uh, it is literally a minefield. So, but yeah, other than the meds, I'd say the day-to-day, it's changed that way. But hopefully... Aside from that minor inconvenience, hopefully it's going to be changing now for the better. Yeah, good, good. And what do you wish you knew before, like, your diagnosis? Definitely like the symptoms. Um, What to look out for, what the symptoms can mean. Um, And and the, the thing is with menopause symptoms, like, it's it's as broad as it is long, the list. Mm. It's not... It's by no means an extensive list, and, it, and some women will get some symptoms where others won't. Um, some women, it's affected them a lot more mentally than it has physically, mm. whereas others, they'll just be like, they'll just have the physical symptoms, but mentally they'll feel fine. Um, I have actually spoken to a few ladies who have been sort of misdiagnosed with like depression and anxiety, been given wow. antidepressants. And it just turned out all they needed to do was go on HRT. Uh, they finally got the right diagnosis, got on the HRT, and they don't need to be on the antidepressants. So, you yeah. what that's doing to your brain. Like, it's crazy. It's just unreal. Like. It's crazy, especially when it, it's something as simple as hormone replacement yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely the symptoms and just... Just more about what it what menopause actually is, because there's there's three different states. There's peri, there's menopausal, and there's postmenopausal. Mm. So at the minute I'm currently peri, you're only considered that you are in menopause or after you've not had a period for twelve months or so. So I still keep getting like the odd period anyway. Right. Um. So every now and then, like the my my my, my not the immune system. What's it called? My reproductive system yeah. is is still kicking back in every now and then, but it's not functioning as it should, and it's obviously is diminishing. Um, and then your postmenopausal, once you've obviously you've not had a period for yeah. for twelve months, that's when there's absolutely nothing going on there. Um, I think yeah, just just I wish I wish I'd have just been a bit more educated on it to be honest. Mm. From being young, and then also having a look at what what different things can cause menopause. Um, like hysterectomies can obviously bring on early menopause. Like you can have a medically induced menopause. Mm-hmm. There's like, well, yeah, <laughs> I know that you, know, you know all about that one. Um, and even though they say usually it's, it's not it's not always a, a hereditary link, but I do think knowing that my mum had gone through uh, something very, very similar when she was my age, I think if I'd had known a bit more about that 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 link or maybe you know been a bit more made aware i would have i yeah. would have definitely gone and done something about it a lot sooner yeah definitely like it's it's hindsight it's a wonderful thing isn't it always but realistically like i think when there's so many different things out there as well and like you say it's 
it's not the first thing that springs to mind. Oh, yeah. like, this is this is definitely going to be because we because of that message that we're giving that you are everyone's super super fertile. Like unless like there's been something what's the word really you know um prominent in your life and mm. you know that that's going to impact you from a young age but people are genuinely told generally told oh yeah like you know you get pregnant and it's actually frightening how much your fertility does drop past the age of 30 mm. you are like your fertile window is like your early 20s ideally yeah. and then i think it's i mean I can't, I can't remember the exact statistics but it pretty much, you know, your, your fertility drops by, like, double once you've once you passed a certain age. It's just bonkers, isn't it? It is. Well, then with bonkers. that is your, is your increased risk of all the other health implications that go with, like, the lack of hormones, mm. and that, you know, cardiovascular disease and, and osteoporosis. Like, you know, if you if you have a fall, like, you're more likely to break something. Uh, hair loss as well is another one. Oh, no. I know. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm like, oh, no. But, I mean, we live in a world now where there's so many different, like, wig options. I feel like we're in a, we're in a, great, yeah. we're in a great, we're in a great time to be alive. For sure. For <laughs> sure. more bad toupees. Absolutely. Oh, God. And where, where have you gained support might help you through this time? So, I did write down a couple of good let me get them up for you. We can obviously share these. We'll share these the as well. Um, so where I did find like a lot of my uh, answers to my questions was a really good, um, sub- I guess, yeah, support charity called the Daisy Network. Uh, they they run, I think you can subscribe to them as well and they like send you monthly newsletters, but they've got a lot of information on the site. Uh, including everything that we've talked about in terms of like symptoms, treatment. They've also got like a Facebook group as well. I would definitely say people need to, if they're going through something similar and they're feeling a bit like, oh, do you know what? I, I just need some answers and I need I need some like clear answers and concise mm. answers. Yeah, because this is another problem as well. Like a lot of the information that is out there on menopause, a lot of it's d- dated. Wow. A lot of the... Um, a lot of the research that general practitioners do have access to or a lot of like the uh like the i mean the guidelines i guess a lot of those are outdated as well Mm. like because it's forever being things are being forever changed like it used to be a direct like link to cancer going on hormone replacement therapy whereas like now it's like they look at it and they go well we need to have a look at your family situation first because if there's no immediate Right. threat of cancer then it's actually more beneficial for you to be going on the hormone refla- replacement therapy than not uh, so the daisy network definitely keeps more up-to-date uh, research articles research oh, papers and then a couple of really good instagram accounts aside from ourselves obviously um <laughs> is menopause mandate uh dr naomi potter and davina mccall's always putting some really good yeah. stuff and information out there and i think She's done a really good job at putting it at the forefront of talking about it a bit more openly, especially, you know, women's health as a whole. Um, But I would say, yeah. And then obviously friends, family, Mm. the usual. I'm really fortunate that I've got yourself for one going through something very, very similar. And a very supportive partner and and my mum as well. Like, Mm. 
just a massive thank you to everybody. And I, I have been really fortunate that my GP has been, yeah. even though she's not, even though she doesn't know absolutely everything, she's been fully on board with, with what I've been going through mm. and getting me on the right, on the right medication as well. Good. And you know, you mentioned about like, your partner and everything. How do you feel like this has changed your relationships, if at all? Oh God, he probably just thinks that um, I've turned into a nutter, to be honest. <laughs> like, I mean, and I don't know, it's, it's a really stereotypical thing to say, isn't it? Like, oh, women and the hormones. But unless you know what that up and down of a hormone feels like, like you cannot... No. you can't comment on it and there have been times <laughs> where i know in my head you are unhinged you are sounding completely mental like and i'm talking like throw a plate at his head kind of mental i've not actually done that by the way don't worry thought about but it. i thought about it <laughs> but and even i can go about no i know that this so thought is rational it's not a rational thoughts calm down but no he's so it has been difficult at times it's been difficult for him and obviously he's had to see me upset and yeah you know, we've both had to come to terms with the fact that we're not going to be able to have our own kids mm. anytime soon. But in some ways, I think it has probably made us a little bit stronger as well, like a little bit more appreciative of each other. But yeah, don't get me wrong, there's still the days that I wake up sometimes and I'm just angry that he gets to be a man <laughs> and I have to be a woman. Oh. It's just not fair. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We all have those days, for sure. And last question, Sib. What advice would you have for anyone who is experiencing something similar? I would honestly just say don't, even even if you think it's a little something, it's something over nothing, don't ignore it. Just go and get anything that you think chest out, checked out. I always think it's just better to be a hypochondriac mm. over these things. Don't just think, oh, be all right, push it under the carpet. Uh, don't do what I did. Like Otherwise, you, you could be faced in, in a similar scenario. Uh, to myself and to you as well, Leah. Mm. You mm. need to be getting these things checked out. Um, educate yourself as well. Like there are plenty, there are plenty of good resources out there, which hopefully we can we can share to our page as well. For sure. For you to go and educate yourself. Like even though I know we're saying oh, it's bad that it's not taught in schools, but there's nothing stopping us going out there and finding that information for ourselves. And I think the biggest key is not to um, hold it in. To yourself either, like make sure that you're you're speaking about it. You are mm. speaking about it with people that you trust, with your loved ones, with your GP, because I think the more that we do make it all right to talk about it and make it a normal thing to talk about, mm. I, I think the more it, it is going, things are going to change. And I think it hopefully one day, in the same way that somebody comes in to talk about periods in school and sex education, hopefully one day that you know people are talking more about women's health just as a whole. Yeah. Um. Hopefully that will change as well in, on the education front. But, you know, baby steps, we're, we're a fish in a very big ocean, aren't we, at the end of the day? But 100%, go and, seek, go and seek your own advice from reputable sources. Speak to people that you know and trust. And just don't suffer alone, really. Fingers crossed and amen to that, sis. Amen. And thank you so much for your honesty and your transparency. Because I understand and a lot of people listening will be able to understand it's... It's hard to, it's, these situations are hard to go through 
at the best of times. But I think being able to kind of share your experience comes from a massive place of strength. And I'm super proud of you. Oh. And I love the fact that I love the scene you go into research mode as well. Right? You go for <laughs> uh, you're, you, you love it. And I, I absolutely love to see it as well. But no, thank you so much. You're very welcome. And um, yeah, if you guys want to tune in for next week, uh, if you do actually have any questions on today, if maybe there's something that we've not covered, then please mm. uh, do fire it our way. We can put a poll up or something on our on our socials if there were any questions that you did have around this topic or maybe if you feel like there's something that we've not covered, we'd love to hear about it. And next week, we're actually going to be... Next month. Next month, sorry, not next week. <laughs> jumping ahead of yourself. You just want to come back for more. <laughs> I just want to come back. Um, we are going to be talking to Leah and her personal circumstances as well uh what she's been going through health-wise and if you've got any questions around maybe what she's been going through maybe fire them our way as well uh, yeah. in in advance of that but no definitely get yourselves tuned in for more of our more of our uh, musings okay. to come and we didn't mention david bowie or chocolate there until we go now. until now but thank you so much for tuning in, everyone, and catching up with us. As I've mentioned before, you can follow us on Instagram at Don't Tell Me I'm Overy Axing Overy O V A R Y. You get the pun. But thank you so much, and we can't wait to speak to you next time. Love you lots. Bye. Uh, how sweaty are you under this dude? Like, like we were talking about hot flushes. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's nowhere near as bad as a hot flush either. <laughs> Is it not? No.